Good morning, Church on the Rock. What y'all laughing about? Like, yeah, y'all forgot? Like, I ain't been gone that long. Man, my name's Rashad Cunningham. I am one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock. The, uh, the pastor with hair, the pastor with pigmentation, so it's getting out, okay. No, and uh, we do the good morning, Rashad, good morning, Church on the Rock, just to make sure you're here, make sure you're awake, make sure you're ready. So we're going to do that one more time. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Y'all scaring me because there was a pause, like maybe y'all was like, man, we ain't saying it no more. You've been gone. All right, so look, uh, you guys know we normally would be in Romans, but we're not going to jump back into Romans until January, okay, until January, because it's the end of the year, and we are big about where your commitment is at the end of the year. We want to know where you're at. We want to know if you're here for it, right? And so a lot of people have been on Facebook, like they saw me posting on everything. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So people, I, I start seeing just all out there, like, people are like, I'm here for it, too. I'm here for it, too. And what if I told you, like, yeah, so if you're here for it, we want you to drink toilet water. People are like, I ain't here for that. And it's like, exactly, exactly. A lot of you have said, I'm here for it, and you don't even know what it means. So, like, why are you here for it if you don't even know what it means? And so we're going to use that because that's going to be, like, our slogan for next year. You know, this year was belief births behavior. Next year is going to be, like, I'm here for it, and we want to see that you're really here for it. So we're going to we're going to break that down for you, and I want to say this first. The Bible says Jesus came full of grace and truth. Now, in Church on the Rock, in most churches in America, we are great at grace, right? We are great at grace. Amen. It is Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, and we are great at grace. But grace without truth is a lie, okay? And so what I want you to understand is the sermon you're about to get may rattle your bones. It may make you feel bad on the inside. It is not because I'm here to do that to you. It's because truth convicts, all right? Now, I will do as best as I can to make sure you can feel the grace by starting out and saying this. Everybody in this room, whether I know you on a first-name basis or not, I sincerely love you. And if you ask the people who've been members here before, they, they probably felt the same way when I first said to them, like, he doesn't mean that. No, no, I mean that. Anybody in this room right now, I love you. I love you so much that I will not lie to you. I will not lie to you. And so this is what happens. When you come to a church building, everybody walks in, and for the majority of the people, they feel obligated to say, I'm a Christian, okay? I'm a Christian. I'm here for it. We're going to break that down by looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And the only thing we're going to ask is, like, are you really here for it when it's all said and done? So 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. That's the only verse we're going to look at. So you know when I choose one verse, it probably takes 50 minutes to do it. Just sit down and get comfortable. All right. So going to, here's the first question I want you to ask. Who is the you in 1 Corinthians 12, 27? Seven. It says, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. But in the Greek, the you is not like an individual person. It's actually plural. So the real question is, who are the y'all? Is that how y'all said Y'all. And I guess I spelled it wrong last service. I put Y-A apostrophe L-L. I guess it's Y apostrophe A-L-L. My bad, first service people who aren't here anymore. But anyway, it is who are the y'all in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. So we're looking at a group of people specifically, and we're asking, well, who is that group of people? All right, so this is what we're going to do. The first thing we're going to say is, is the y'all believers? You know, like somebody says, well, 
I'm a part of the, the body of Christ. I'm Christ's body. Why? Because I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, Rashad, that's all it is, right? It's, it's faith alone, right? It's just, as long as I say I believe, then I'm the y'all. Okay, well, let's go see what the scriptures say about that. In John 2.23, it says, Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, look at this, many believed. They believed in his name. They believed in Jesus Christ. Observing his signs, which he was doing. So he was doing miracles, and many believed. They're like, yeah, I'm the y'all. I believe. But look how Jesus responded. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. In other words, another way to say that is Jesus didn't believe in their belief. You see, they believed because they saw something and was like, oh, look at the miracle. Look at the, yeah, yeah, it must be Jesus, an awesome prophet or awesome this or awesome that. But they didn't necessarily believe he was God. They just believed in him that, yes, I believe he actually did that miracle over there. He's awesome. But Jesus knew what was really going on on the inside, and he didn't believe their belief. So, no, the y'all in this text is not simply those who say they believe. Because a lot of people in America, a lot of people in Brownsburg, a lot of people in this church believe. But the question is, would Jesus actually believe your belief? I heard another pastor say, um, if you was on trial, would you be impeached as a Christian? And that's, I'm not, y'all know I'm not political, so I ain't got nothing, Trump, no, no, no. I'm just in the context of what's going on. Would you be impeached? Stop worrying about Trump. Worry about yourself. Would you be impeached based on your belief if God took it uh, you know, on trial and looked at it? I'm not political. I don't have a stance. I don't do all that stuff. So don't ask me afterwards what I think about it. I don't care, okay? So here we go. We're going to the next, the next scripture. Look at this. James 19. He goes, James looks at y'all and says, you believe that God is one. So you believe in the Trinity. You believe God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You believe God is one. He goes, you do well. That's, that's equivalent to a golf clap. Like, yay, I'm proud of you. Yay, golf clap. You believe God. Hey, good job. Look at this. The demons also believe and shudder. So he's like, you believe God is real. You believe Jesus Christ. You, that's great. So do the demons. <laughs> you see that? Like your belief of just believing is no better than the demons. And in the context of this, what he's saying is what we've been saying all year, if you've been paying attention, belief births behavior. See that? Your belief alone isn't really belief if it doesn't change anything in you. Like, you can look at the stop sign, or excuse me, yeah, the stop sign. You can look at the stop sign and be like, I see it, I believe it, I'm going to roll right through that bad boy. Right? <laughs> well, you didn't believe it, right? You roll right through the stop sign. So, so your belief, what you really believe, is going to be based on how you behave, and nobody in the church wants to hear that. They want to hear grace, grace, grace. Belief, belief was enough. I said what I needed to say. Who cares how I live? But he goes, the demons believe in God. Like literally, the demons believe in God. So what's the difference between a demon and a Christian? The demons believe in God. They do nothing in obedience to it. They're still completely against God. So there are those out there who are believers who believe and yet do everything against in their behavior God. So it's not the believers who are the y'all. And I don't want you to think that as well. Just because you believe, if your belief is real, it'll birth something out of you. So next up, uh, Christians by claim. These are the ones who, yep, I believe. I said what I need to say. I've been baptized, and I claim it. I'm a Christian. Uh, 
Yes, I'm a Christian. I belong to the church because I'm a Christian. I am the body of Christ, gentlemen, because I am a Christian. All right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I want you to look at this text real quick. Matthew 13, Jesus is telling a parable. He says to them, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Look at this. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares, which are like weeds, poisonous weeds, among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. Then the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares or have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The slave said to them, do you, the slave said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he goes on and he says, no, for while you are gathering them up, you might uproot, uh, uproot the wheat with them. And he says, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. So this is what this illustration, illustration looks like. Give me my picture, Leah. You see that picture? Everybody see that picture? Everybody see that picture? I want to make sure you're awake. Everybody see that picture? Thank you. All right. What is wheat and what is tares? Exactly. Exactly. You really can't tell the difference. Now, somebody last service was like, oh, I can tell the difference. Shut up. All right, look, you cannot really tell the difference between the wheat and the tares. And that's what the parable is saying. It's saying when I look out into the church congregation right now, when I look at y'all, and if everybody's claiming to be wheat, I know there's some tares in here. I have no clue who it is. So those who belong to Christ or those who are Christ's body isn't necessarily just those who make a claim to Christianity. It's like when I was at Josh's house the other night. I told you I was going to get this one, right? Tea looks like tea, right? Like tea's brown, it's a liquid, it's tea. Josh offered me tea when I was at his house last night, and I had a question. I said, okay, there's tea, and then there's tea, right? And tea that I drink is sweet tea. And it can't just be a little sweet. It has to be like Kool-Aid sweet, right? <laughs> so I looked at Josh, he was like, now, is this tea or is this tea? And he was like, you like your tea sweet? And I was like, it's got to be like Kool-Aid sweet, though, because your taste buds, my taste buds might not be the same. it got to be sweet, sweet. It was good tea. It was, it was amazing tea. Amen, Josh. But look, but look, it all looks the same, though, on the outside until you taste it to see that it's actually sweet. Um, April Fool's Day, when I was like 16, I took all the, the sugar out of the sugar case, and I put salt in it. And then my brother, Andre, made tea. Uh, it was tea, actually, now I think about it. He made tea with the salt, and it was salt tea, tea, <laughs> right? <laughs> because salt and sugar look the same. God says, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth who belong to me. But a lot of you are sugar. You see what I'm saying? You look like salt, but you're actually sugar. And so this isn't here to make you feel some type of way and why you in my business. No, I love you too much because think about this. Think about this. A fake Christian is going to the same hell that a person who doesn't believe in Christ is going to. You see that? So if I love you and I sit here and allow you to believe what you think you believe or to feel what you think you feel or to claim what you think you're claiming without telling you what it really means, then then I'm allowing you to go to the same destination that those who completely reject Christ are going to. And so, yes, this may hurt. Yes, this may make you look at yourself, but it's not my words that hurt you. It's the Spirit convicting you because God loves you. 
when, I, when it starts tugging on you, it's not me. I don't know. Like I said, I'm looking on the outside, right? I can only see and hear what you tell me. God knows what's on the inside. So whatever's tugging you, that's the spirit. That's not me. So quit sending me hate mail. Like I don't, I, I'm just playing. Nobody sends me hate mail. It ain't that bad yet. It ain't that bad yet. Might be after this one. I don't know. All right. So it's not those who claim to be Christians either. Look at this. It is also not because you are a church on the rock member. You're like, well, Rashad. And this is why the last paper got torn. I signed the piece of paper, bro. You said, will you rock with us? I said, I'm here for it. Woo, woo. I was upside down. Woo, 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 right? <laughs> right? I signed the piece of paper. So obviously, I am the body of Christ. Me. It must be me because I signed it. I come. I do this. I do all that. And, and honestly, this is because we don't know your hearts. This is just you kind of making a paper proclamation. Um, but it just kind of goes to a brand if anything, because we can't determine the requirements, the standards of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ here at Church on the Rock. God determines that. So this is still a brand in a building that you're signing a paper for. Um, thank you when you do sign it. It helps us identify what you claim. But ultimately, it's going to be something between you and God that determines if you're really here for it. Does that make sense? Does, make, does that make sense? Okay. And so there's still significance to the paper. We'll get to that in a minute. But... The, the answer to who the y'all are is literally disciples. The y'all are his disciples defined by him. Why? Because it's Christ's body. I cannot tell you what it takes to be a, a member of the body of Christ. It's not my body. I can't make the standards. So if you come to me and you're looking for me to give you affirmation, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, well, the Bible says, Jesus said, and you're going to be like, but, but did won't you, like, make it easier for me? I can't. I give you all grace. You won't be perfect. That's grace. You're not in hell. That's grace. You wake up another day to try to get it right. That's grace. But truth is truth. Understood? Truth is still going to be truth. And it doesn't change because of your circumstances, your situations, the people around you. The pe it, that doesn't change the truth. That's why it's truth. It stays north. It doesn't change because you're facing a different direction. I give you grace in that. God gives you grace in that. But it's still his truth. So he defines what a disciple is, and the disciple are the ones who belong to him. So that's my introduction. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. <laughs> Go to the next slide. So um, let me show that it's a matter of it being the disciples of Christ, because sometimes we think the word disciple only belongs to Jesus Christ. But you can be a disciple of anyone, anybody, and anything. And I want to show you in the Bible, it says, look, then the disciples of John, that's John the Baptist, came to Jesus asking, why do we, John's disciples, and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So that shows you in the Bible, disciples is not just a Christ word. Some might think, oh, if I say I'm a disciple, then it automatically means I belong to Christ. That's not true. You can be a disciple of Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, Luke Bryan, like I'm just trying to name, trying to keep it culturally balanced, right? <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm a DJ. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> you, can, you can be a disciple of, of the Colts, of the Patriots. Is he here? Okay, good. Yeah, boo. Uh, you can be a disciple of all kinds of things and, and not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Keep going. Give me another scripture. Matthew 22, 15. Look at this. When the Pharisees went and plotted together about how they might trap Jesus and what he was saying, this is what they did. They sent their disciples. So even the Pharisees had 
disciples. A disciple is somebody who follows with intentions on being exactly like the one they're following. Sometimes we take that word and simply say, oh, it's just a student. No, no, no. A disciple followed their rabbi or their teacher, their master. They followed their rabbi. They followed their teacher with the intentions on being exactly like their teacher. It wasn't enough just to learn what their teacher knew. They wanted to be exactly like their teacher. Uh, One of the great sports uh, examples that we have is Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Kobe watched Michael Jordan to the T. They got a video where he chews his gum the same way. You know, like, because he wanted to be just like Mike. He was a disciple of Mike, and he wasn't quite Mike, but he got five for my Lakers. But that's like, like that's important. When you watch Kobe play, you're basically seeing an image of, of, of Jordan in a different form because he wanted to be just like him. He practiced like him. He had a work ethic like him. Everything he did was to be just like Mike. A disciple of Jesus is going to do everything he can to live, walk, talk, um, love, everything, just like Jesus. And those are the ones who belong to Jesus, okay? So remember that because what happens is when when you bring people here, for example, and Jason is teaching or Ann is teaching, and we're discipling your kids for the one hour we get, you might get upset come Friday and say, I don't think you're doing enough because my kid is blah, 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 blah. And we say, well, what's discipling them when we're not? You see that? We get them for an hour. You get them for the week. What are you allowing to speak into their lives when we're not speaking into their lives? Are you speaking into their lives when we're not speaking into their lives? Because when we're pointing them somewhere, we're pointing them to Christ, not ourselves. Who are you pointing them to? Like, even if you're pointing them to you, that's not good enough. You need to point them to Christ. You see that? So just remember that. So here's where we get to um, now you, once again, going back to the text, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually member for it. It goes to this first point. I'm here for, so the it is the confession of Christ. That's where it starts. The confession of Christ. I'm here for it. What is it? First part of it. The confession of Christ. Remember, the word confess means homo legeo, say the same thing. It means I am in agreement with what's being said. In Romans 10, 9, Paul says it like this. If you confess, say the same thing with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, if you actually agree with that, not just say it because it's cute, not just say it because it's cool, not just say it because it makes you comfortable inside of this building, but when you actually confess and say, hey, I agree, sis, God said Jesus is Lord, so Jesus is Lord. Why? Because God said it and I agree with God. You see how that works? That's what a confession is. So when you confess your sins, God said sleeping outside of marriage is wrong, so I'm saying uh, sleeping outside of marriage is wrong. I slept with somebody outside of marriage, but I confess that I was wrong when I did that. I'm not just apologizing that it was bad. I actually confess and agree it is wrong. God said don't cuss my child out, so when I cuss my child out, even if I think she deserved it, I was wrong for cussing my child out. I agree with God. I confess that this was wrong. You see how that works? That's a confession. It goes on and it says, 1 uh, John 4, 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, whoever says the same thing, agrees with the word of God that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That's what confession looks like. Going on, we get a great example of a confession. Jesus is talking to the disciples and, at Caesarea Philippi, and they said, uh, Jesus said, hey, who do they say I am? Who do they 
say I am? Those who don't belong to me, who do they say I am? Well, uh, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And this is important because this is what the Muslims do. The Muslims say, we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. He was a great prophet. That's it. He's just a great prophet. We believe in him just like you believe in him. He's a great prophet. And that's the little wiggle line because that's not far enough. Yeah, he was a great prophet, but that's not it. So then he goes and he says, hey, but who do you, who, who do y'all that belong to me, who do y'all say I am? So Simon, who always spoke up, said, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. You're the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. You are God in the flesh. That's who you are. And look how Jesus responded. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon. Why? Because flesh and blood didn't tell this to you. My father who is in heaven told this to you. So when he said that, he was agreeing with God who told him, hey, that is my son. In him I am well pleased. That is the Messiah. Really? Well, then I agree with you. You see that? That's a confession. So people who are here are here for the confession of Christ. Now think about this. This is important. Go to my next slide. Because what happens is you start having to say, we will see. And this is what people don't like. I'm not saying that you have to do anything to earn your salvation. I will never, ever preach that. Don't run out of here and try to say I said that. But this is what happens. People make a confession that they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they get baptized and all those good things. And then somebody comes up to me and says, Brother Rashad, they confessed, they was baptized. Like, man, what do you think? And I always say these three words, we will see. Well, hold on, man, I thought it was faith alone. It is, if it's real. I thought all they had to do was confess. They do, if it's real. We will see. We're still going to baptize you based on your confession, based on what we see, based on how you were able to articulate the gospel for yourself, we're still going to baptize you, but we will see. And this is why this sermon is so important, because over my life, I have seen people that I have baptized based on their confession of faith, based on what they showed me on the outside, only to find out on the inside that maybe it wasn't what it was. And so we always have to say, we will see. And the church don't like that in America. They say, legalistic. How? Legalism is the Pharisees saying, God says this, and we're going to add this to it, add our tradition, and add this. So God says gather, and you better dress up. That's legalistic. You're adding a tradition. God said this, and when you preach, you better wear dress shoes. It's legal. It's a tradition. Yeah, right? All right. Or, 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 or legalism is, you better do this, sis, but I do something different. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, that's what the Pharisees were doing. But when I say, hey, Jesus said this, that's not legalistic. That's not Bible thumping. That's, hey, I love you. And my responsibility as a pastor is to tell you what Jesus said. No, I thought you were supposed to make me feel good. No. <laughs> not selling ice cream up here. You know what I mean? Like, no, this is truth. This is supposed to be working on you. And so this is what happens. Look at this. True confession is not an emotional moment. It's an eternal marriage. How many people married? How many people been married? All right, cool. Look at this. Look at this. What, who, who am I married in here? Anybody in here I married? Yeah, oh, I married you. I married you. I, married, I, I didn't marry you. I married you. I married you. I, all right, so look at this. Look at this. All right. All right. I'm going to start with y'all because you're way back there. Okay. Remember the wedding day, right? We out at the place, the beautiful place. We outside. It is hot. It's I don't know what. Sweating bullets out there. Remember, we was joking around. Okay. And, and, and I'm going to talk to you, all right? 
Now, we are going through the wedding vows, and your husband said, I do, right? Remember, he said, I do. We, I mean, I'm just positive he said it, right? And, and, and so what if he says, I do, which is an emotional moment, because we got this beautiful, it's beautiful outside, and we got all the bridesmaids. We did a little thing where we kind of cornered up. It was beautiful, right? And in the moment, Andrew's like, oh, I can't mess this up. I do, right? And then, and then the rest of Andrew's life says, I don't. We got a problem because you made an emotional moment of a confession, but you weren't in it for the marriage. You just was in it for the day. That's why when I do my counseling, I say, yo, it's not about the wows. It's about the vow. Look at this right here. Look at this. Uh, next slide. Next slide. Go, go, go. Yep. True salvation is not an emotional confession. It is an eternal commitment. We, we come. We hear this sermon. It pierces us. And then Ty comes up or Emily or Jen. They come up and they sing this song. And we like, whoa, I can feel it. And we make an emotional confession out of emotion, out of feelings. And we never think about the eternal commitment, the actual commitment, the actual I'm here for it. I'm not here for how I feel in this moment. When I confess Jesus is Lord, that's going to change the rest of my life. And a lot of people have come to Christ in an emotional moment, made an emotional confession, and never ever really wanted the eternal commitment. And so you have wheat and tares in the church all claiming to be wheat. And so a lot of your frustration, church on the rock, with organization and structure and people and serving and all that is because you may have 300 people that claim to be wheat here and only 100 that are actually wheat, 200 tares. And that doesn't mean we don't want the tares here. We, we love them. We want to pour into them. But we do want people to identify honestly who they are. And tell us so we can love you through that, so we can grow you through that. Because what ends up happening is, imagine when you add weight to your body that doesn't belong there, starts to hurt the joints, starts to hurt the knees, because it's extra weight, right? And Christ calls us his body. But we're carrying those who aren't even a part of the body. We're, we're, we're leaning on those who aren't ready to be leaned on because they're not even really a part of the body yet. You're leaning on body parts that aren't really a part of the body. And we can't determine it, though. That's, what, that's the chaos of the church. We don't, we don't know who's who. Jesus said, leave everybody alone. Let them grow together. Why? Because you don't know their hearts, so you don't know who's who. So I don't need you looking around like this. Mmm, shola, mm, wheat, because you might beat me up. So wheat, tear, wheat. Tear, wheat, tear. Like, we don't, we don't need you doing wheat, tear, tear, wheat, wheat, tear, wheat, wheat, tear. We don't need you doing that. Why? Because it says until you see the grain, until the harvest, is, you can't really tell the difference. Why? Because wheat, before it's, 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 it's grown to show grain, looks just like a tear. So you might be calling somebody a tear who's actually just a baby Christian. You ready to pluck them out? Get out the No. No, that's not how we do this. But the reality is, the reality is if we're looking at the Bible, Many will say, Lord, Lord, and that's the reality. Like, some of us think we're weak because we, we refuse to examine ourselves honestly, and we're tares. And so I'm asking you to examine yourself. I'm not here to pick you out. I'm going to love you. I told you, everybody in this room, I love you with everything in me. But uh, uh, time, I hate time. All right. So anyway, um, 
Look, it's, it's not an emotional confession. It is an eternal commitment. You're making a commitment. When you say I do, you're not saying I do for the wedding day. You're saying it for the rest of your life, right? And so salvation, the same. When you say I do to Christ, you're not saying it for that moment. And then it's whatever. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I was a little emotional. No, no, you make a confession. You, make, you mean this no matter what comes, right? Like no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, I'm in this because I'm here for it. See how that works? So we keep going. Look at this. Look at this. Next slide. Come on. All right. So now you, y'all, those who have made that confession um, of Christ and, and really mean it, you are Christ's body. You see that? You're not Church on the Rock's body. You're not Rashad's body. You're not your body. You are Christ's body. That means you belong to somebody else. You are not your own. That means it's a commitment. That's my next point. I'm here for the commitment to Christ. So I'm here for the confession of Christ. But that confession, when it's real, leads to a commitment to Christ. Give me Matthew 16, 18. So after, uh, after Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, look what he says. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, this confession of faith, I will build my church. Notice what he says. Jalen, he says, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build your church, right? He didn't say, Jalen will build my church, right? He didn't say, Jessica, I will build your church. He didn't say, you will build his church. He said, I will build my church, meaning I'm going to build my church based on my standards, based on my requirements. You, Church on the Rock, Pastor Rashad, Pastor Jason, deacons, care leaders, you can't change the standards for how I build my church. So when I come in here and you want me to shift things around for you, I can't. Look, I love you, but this is still the requirement. Well, I don't want to do that part. Yeah. <laughs> I can't change the standards because Christ is building his church. And, it, it, and so you signing this, this is cute. This is great, and it helps us know who you are. But honestly, it doesn't mean nothing if you're not living by what Christ says is a disciple of his that belongs to him. This just helps us identify who's claiming that, who's making that claim. But, but ultimately, this you signing that, you don't go to heaven and go, Here's my form, God. <laughs> Here's my form, right? He's going to look at you and be like, oh, what was Rashad teaching y'all down there? <laughs> uh, and please don't do that. Like, don't, don't, don't say, bury me with my church on the rock form. Don't do that. All right, <laughs> Ephesians 1.22, look at this. It says, and he, God, put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus as head over all things to the what? The church, look at this, which is his body, meaning the church that we're talking about is the body of Christ, okay? So, Josh, your body's your body, right? If I came to you and said, man, put a tattoo on your face because I said so, you're like, bro, it's my body. It's not your body. You can't force me to put a tattoo on my face. And that's what some members are trying to do. They're trying to force their way into God's body based on their terms and say, well, I'm going to do it this way because this is how I feel like doing it. No, no, no. We, <laughs> it's his body. It's his determination, not mine. Right? I, last service, it didn't work. Hopefully, you guys will flow with me. There's a song. I still think it's, it goes, it's my body. I can cry if I want to. Everybody says party. I don't believe that. So I'm changing the words. It's my body. I can cry if I want to because it belongs to me. But even if it was his party, guess what? This is Jesus' party, okay? So it goes the way that it goes according to Jesus. All right? You're the only people that get in are the ones who get in according to Jesus. It's his party. You only get in according to his way. He says, I am the only way. Discipleship, faithfulness, belonging to me. It's his body, right? And so look at this. Uh, it's about doing the will of the Father. 
in, in Matthew 12, 50, it says, For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he's my mother and sister and, and brother, or she's my mother, he, he, brother. Ugh. Okay, he is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, so look at this. There are, there are Jesus' mom, Mary, and his brothers, probably James, Jude, and maybe one or two more, um, they're looking for Jesus to basically tell him to be quiet because he's going around saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm God. The Pharisees aren't liking this, causing a little bit of uproar. The fact of the matter is they weren't in the building with him as he was discipling people, and they, they call for Jesus. Tell Jesus to come out here so we can talk to him real quick. And when the people come in there and tell Jesus that, he looks at everybody and says, hey, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Except for those who do the will of the Father with me. In other words, he's showing you the priority of, of the commitment. Y'all who are committed here, I actually put you above those who are actually blood family with me who are not trying to do the will of the Father. I, I literally, ask my wife, I put you before my blood relatives in terms of priority. I actually do. Why? It's biblical. And this is where people start checking out. Oh, nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Blood is blood. Okay. But when Jesus looks at this congregation of disciples and says, if you do the will of the Father with me, you're my family. This changes things. Because when I'm proclaiming Christ and living for Christ, there's people in my family who want nothing to do with me. But then when they need something, they want me to prioritize them. And instead, I look to the ones who are trying to do the will of the Father with me, and I prioritize them. And they say, what kind of Christian? I go, biblical? <laughs> biblical Christian. This is my mother. Th Mama? Mama Lucy, well, I, I, I mean that. Like, that's my mama. Why? I see her more than almost anybody else. I'm like, that's my mama. <laughs> I didn't do it. That was just mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So look at this. Look, 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 look. So look, that will, of, that will of the Father. Look, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Or who will? But he who does the will of my Father. See that? It's the same thing. Who's my mother? Who's my brother? Those who do the will of my father. Who's going into the, the kingdom of heaven? Those who do the will of my father. And there's a lot of people in the church who said, Lord, Lord. They said it, but they're not doing the will of the father. You see how this, this faith and obedience go hand in hand? Yes, it is faith alone if the faith is real. Because faith that is real is going to produce something. If I, gave, if I gave you some seeds, Andrew, said, man, these are apple seeds, and you planted them, and oranges came out. You're going to be like, lie. You called them apple seeds, but oranges came out. So no matter what you called them, no matter what you confessed them to be, no matter what you proclaimed them to be, I'm looking at oranges, bro. You, you see that? And that's what happens in the church. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I got belief. And I'm, once again, I'm not looking for perfection. Is there any transformation in your life whatsoever? Period. And it ain't even what I'm looking at. I'm telling you, you look at it. You look at it. Don't judge me. Okay, judge yourself. I don't have to judge you. You should be examining yourself so that you can come back not in shame because we were all outside of Christ. We were all enemies. If I, if I, when I look at myself now and find stuff, I go to Clinton, I'm like, man, Clinton, I'm jacking up in this, this and this. I'm not being faithful in this, man. Will you pray and hold me accountable? I don't feel any shame in that. Because I know he's jacking up in something too, right? All right. <laughs> you heard it from his mouth. And so what happens is, I had to, I, all right, so I had this friend. Um, you belong to him, so you go by his rules. You see how that works? I had this friend named John Nisley in first grade. Man, I had this friend named John Nisley in first grade, right? And John Nisley 
uh, invited me to his house. And when I got to his house, check this out. When I got to his house, he had Fruity Pebbles and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I mean the name brand, okay? Fruity Pebbles and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Now, when, when we got there, I'll never forget, John Nisley had ran out of, like, he had talked it up, hyped it up. Man, I got Fruity Pebbles. Well, I was like, yeah, this is in first grade. Fruity Pebbles were a big deal, right? And we got there, and there were no Fruity Pebbles left. And he was like, Mom, I told you get Fruity Pebbles. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, ooh. You know what I mean? Like, whoa. John Nisley, like, this, and this is how John was. John's my boy, if he's watching, you know. But... He was like, Mom, I told you to get Fruity Pebbles. Where the Fruity Pebbles? I told you. I told you Shia was coming up. Where the Fruity Pebbles? And I was like, man. So um, I spent the night over there for that whole weekend. I went back Sunday. I'll never forget. I went back Sunday. I got home, and I saw that we had fruit rice <laughs> and cinnamon squares, right? Like, Mom, I'm sick of cinnamon squares. <laughs> you must have forgot who you belong to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? And so that's what happens in the church. Like, you come in here, you say one thing, then you go out into the world, and then you come back in here like, I ain't doing this no more. I ain't got to do that to be, you know. You must have forgot who you belong to. It's Christ's body, not yours. You see how that works? And so I'm going to try to get the last of this in 10 minutes. And so we're going to move to the, 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 so this is what happens. Most who claim to be here for it only want to be friends with benefits, not the faithful who belongs. Let me check. Okay, a couple kids. You know what friends with benefits mean, okay? A lot of people want to be friends with benefits, the intimacy. They want you to cook for them. They want you to make money for them and all the stuff that comes with, with the benefits, but they don't want to put a ring on it. You see that? There's a lot of people in the church. Pastor, why wasn't you at the hospital? Pastor, why didn't you show up to this? Where were the deacons for that? Why won't y'all give us money for this? Why won't y'all do this? Why won't you do that? we like, why don't you put a ring on it? It makes sense when you're looking at personal relationships, right? But you want me and others in this family to sacrifice and prioritize you, and you won't commit to us. And I'm not talking about the non-believers. No, no, I'm talking about the believers. I'm talking about those who make the claim. No, I belong to Christ. I belong to Church on the Rock. You are my pastor. I ain't doing nothing you say. I just want everything that you can offer. Well, it, you won't. Fr now, now, in the real world, if it was you and me, and, and if I'm looking at Brittany and I'm like, hey, like I want all the benefits. I love your cooking. I love everything about you. But you got to wait on that ring until I feel like it. Brittany especially. <laughs> well, I can't even get the words out that might come out as a result of that, okay? It, it, I'm just going to say, <laughs> she would start laughing hysterically. <laughs> you, <laughs> no, all right? It's the same thing, though. we like, you want all the benefits with no commitment. I thought you was here for the commitment, right? And so going to my next, uh, so now look, so the you is y'all, that's a group that make a, the same confession, or Christ's body, that's the same, right? Everybody makes the same confession, everybody makes the same uh, commitment, but look at this, and you are individually members of it. So even though it's a group thing in the confession, it's a group thing in the commitment, the cost is different. The cost is different. 
It's not the same. People say, no, the cost is the same. Mm -mm. Because what matters to you doesn't necessarily matter to me. Who likes hunting? Who, who likes to hunt? Give me some hands. Who likes to hunt? I see some hunters in here. Okay, check it out, Barry. If, if I told you Jesus came to me and said, man, you got to give up your PlayStation 4, right? And y'all might laugh at that, but y'all just got to learn. I like my PlayStation 4. Rashad, you got to give up your PlayStation 4 and your video games. I'm going to be like, man, I'm devastated. You'd be like, it's not that big of a deal, bro. It's just a PlayStation 4. But that's a great cost to me. But if, if he came to you and said, Barry, no more hunting ever, you're going to be like, man, that, what? That's crazy. And I'm going to be like, I could care less about hunting. I don't want to be out there. Black people die in the woods. Anyway, <laughs> so, so, so check this out. Check this out. Your cost and my costs are different. Our commitment is the same, Christ above all, but the cost is going to be different. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. Um, you have to be here for the cost of Christ. You've made the confession. You've made the commitment. Are you here for the actual cost? Though? A lot of us commit before we know anything about the cost. Going to the scriptures, it says in Luke 14, 25, after all the crowds of people came, right, large crowd of people. So say, say we get 500 people on the first day of the year because everybody's doing their New Year's resolution. I'm going back to, uh, to church. We get 500 people in here. Most churches in America today would do whatever it takes to hold on to the 500 so they can Facebook about it, so they can go tell people, oh, look, we got 500 people. Jesus saw the large crowd. He turned to them, and this is what he said. Tell me if this is going to keep people. If anybody wants to be a part of this church, wants to be a part of my body, wants to come to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You think that's how you keep 500 people in this church? No, that's how you give them the expectations that are real because you love them, and then they start walking out slowly and slowly. When we say, this is what it means to, be, to mean I'm here for it, I guarantee you right now, some people ain't here for it. And they're like, man, he's starting to talk all that gibberish about obeying and obedience. I ain't got to do all that to be a Christian. I can stay at home. That's why I don't do church. Okay, and then walk right out. As a matter of fact, who says we have to gather anyway? The Bible. Right? But this is what we do. Whoever does not carry his own cross and comes after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Just, just, um, just jump to my, my, my next point right there. Um, yes, Christians cancel their commitments because they never calculated the cost. You say you've made this confession, you make this commitment, but then you look and you start reading the Bible and you're like, oh, that, that's what that mean? That's what that mean? Oh, I'm not here for it. Sorry. Anybody who, man, Lindsay's not here. Dang it. Lindsay and Ryan just bought, there's a couple of our members, they just bought a house. They just moved into the house. And imagine them trying to buy a house without knowing the cost of the house, right? Like, Ty, you, you guys got the house out there in, in Danville, right? Like, imagine, like, me coming to you and say, Ty, just sign the dotted line and just be here for it. And then you sign, and you're like, okay, well, how much is it going to cost after the fact? And you see it, you're like, we can't afford that. But that's how a lot of Christians are. They make a commitment without knowing the cost. They don't know the cost. That's why the premarital discipleship is so heavy, right? When we did our premarital discipleship, I said, hey, look, we're not worried about the wows of the wedding day. All we're talking about are the vows because that's the commitment because that goes way past the wedding day, and that's the cost of being a husband and a wife. I told you, I said, you are going to have to do ology, right? Danielle-ology for the rest of your life. You're going to have to study and learn her. But what if he marries her and then stops learning her? You weren't here for it, right? We got, yeah, see, she, Danielle keeps saying, we got a problem. 
we got a problem. I got you, sis. I got you, all right? So then, so Christians cancel their commitments because they actually don't calculate the cost of what it means to be a Christian. And that doesn't mean I want you to not go after it, but think through it. Are you really ready to be here for it? Because it really has nothing to do with Church on the Rock. It has everything to do with Christ. This is just the local gathering, and that's going to be where we look at this right here. So now y'all are Christ's body. Same confession, same commitment. Individually, you have a different cost, okay? The cost is different because things that matter to you don't matter to me and vice versa. But you're members of it, of what? The body in your members. So you have to, here's the last point right here. You have to be here for the community of Christ. You have to be here for the community of the Christ. There's no such thing when you say, uh, this is why we say we are the church, not I am the church. You see that? And a lot of believers want to sit at home and say, I don't need to gather with people to be a part of his body. That makes no sense. If, I, if my hand, like, somehow severed itself and jumped off and said, I ain't got to be connected to his body, that'd be so weird, like, if my hand was, you ever seen that movie Idle Hands? Have you ever, like, I'm just, I, just, I just thought about that. If my hand was running around, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, it's weird. But... But if my hand's like running around and it's like, I don't have to be a part of his body to be a part of his body. That makes no sense, right? So that's what you're saying when you do your whole, I can just watch it online and just be here at home. I don't have to be connected to anything to be a part of the body. And this is why, yes, you have the universal everything, but you also have this local body of believers that manifest or reveal what the body's supposed to look like in a local form. Yes, we, we, have, we have an actual, like, boom, everybody's a believer, is a part of the, the, the family, the church, but there's a local body for a reason. Why? Because look at this. My grandfather died this week, and it was people who knew me in this local body who called and texted, reached out. Um, I went to go see Lucy's brother Dave this week. Dave's not even a part of our local body. He's a part of the body. But because Lucy is a part of our local body, Ty's a part of our local body, Bill's a part, that's my body, and therefore I go check on them as a, as a result because they belong, we belong to each other. And so Dave, yes, he's a part of the body, but what if I never knew who Dave Flowers was? If I never knew who Dave Flowers was, and, and, and the people who checked on me, y'all don't know who Grandpa Alan James is. You don't know who he is, but you know me. So, yeah, Grandpa Alan James may be a part of the body and the family yeah, and all that, you, but there's still something about this connectivity that you're going to hurt when I hurt, right? You, you're you're going to feel pain when I feel pain, and that's the context of this text. So I'm here for the community of Christ, and you have to actually be here for it because a lot of us do this. I love God, but I hate the church. Well, let's, let's talk about that. So um, first of all, next, next, next verse, and I'm closing out. So we who are many, okay, many, are one body in Christ, and look at this, individually members of one another. So you don't just belong to Christ when you belong to the body. You belong to each other. If Christ is the head and we are the different body parts, guess what? My, my right hand belongs to my left knee. It's a part of the same body, right? And, and so you don't just belong to Christ. You belong to each other, and that's the problem in churches today. We belong to a brand and a building. We don't actually belong to each other. And, 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 and I've got to say this real quick. Thank you for belonging to me and checking in on me. I love you and I, and I praise God for you. But let me say this. The problem in the church, America especially, is that you, you treat the pastor 
like he's above everybody else in the church. They do it everywhere, and we do it here. You treat me like I'm more important because I'm the one on a platform on Sunday. But there's other people in this church who need you just as much as me. And if all you do is give, you know, we're going to check in on him and make sure he's okay and all that, then you don't belong to each other, and then we're still not the body of Christ. That means you're just looking at one part, and I would assume, because I talk a lot, I'm the mouth, all right? I'm just going to assume I'm the mouth, whatever. And all you're focused on is making sure the mouth is okay when the knee is hurting, and the foot is broken, and the elbow is bummed, and you know, you know what? And we, we all need each other. I belong to all of you. I would pray you belong to each other. We set the chairs up so that you have to look at each other for a change. Yeah, I hate having to turn my head. Get over it. Look at each other. Look, look at each other. Please, right now, look at each other. Look at each other. Because, because guess what? There's somebody over there that needs you today and vice versa. And you belong to each other if you're here for it. Okay? So I want to show you this and then I'm going to close out. There's no such thing as a one-person church. A church is a body of believers, body of disciples gathered together who are here for it. Keep going. And it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. If anybody's ever gotten married and had kids, you cannot marry me and hate my kids. My kids and I come together. You cannot say I do to God and not say, and say I don't to his children. That makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. And it's a commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should also love his brother also. Keep going. And then lastly, this is the last thing right here, and then I'm getting out the way. So it says right here, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they, not go back. What y'all doing? Killing my moment, man. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now look, this is, this is where the local church part of church as a whole, matters. If I give an account, because I'm a leader, I'm a pastor, if I give an account and have to watch over souls, whose souls am I watching over? Is there anybody that walks up to me and says, Pastor, if that's the case, half of Brownsburg calls me pastor, so am I accountable for all those souls? Huh? Am I, do I have to be at all of their, their weddings and all of their funerals and all, and, and everybody... Because half the people in Brownsburg say pastor to me, call me pastor in some way, shape, or form. What makes it that I'm accountable and give an account? Right here. Obey your leaders and submit to them. In other words, you make me the one accountable for your soul. And look at this obedience. This obedience is in Ralph. Go give me a, a Yero from BP. Don't. See, why does everybody do that? I love y'all, but don't do that. <laughs> Ralph is supposed to be like, you'll run my life. Right? He'd probably go pick up two of them, one for himself too. Right. All right. But look, but look, that's not what obedience is. It's not me looking at Josh and saying, Josh, do this because I said do this. No, 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 no. No. Obedience looks like this biblically. Hey, y'all, the Bible says love one another. So as your spiritual leader, I'm telling you, love one another. In other words, my only, the only authority I have in your life is the, is the scriptures, okay? If you don't see me as somebody or, J or Jason is somebody that you can obey and submit to, you're not here for it. You're not here for it, and I'm not giving an account for your soul, and, 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 and I'm not watching over your soul, and that's where the church doesn't like it. But you're a pastor. I'm not your pastor. 
that's where that membership form starts to mean something. Because I love everybody in here, but I am a human being. I have a wife I'm accountable for. I have a daughter I'm accountable for. And if I add 300 people, when 300 people aren't really here for it, we got a, we got a problem. So when I say, are you here for it, I want you to start calculating that. And worship team, you can come up right now. You can come up as I'm closing this out. When I'm asking you, are you actually here for it, notice this right here. Everything we've been talking about has been in general, universal, body of Christ, family of Christ, all that. But, but look at this. That's Brownsburg right there. I can't show it over there because it's the projector. But where the here is, is actually on 267 right here at Church on the Rock. That is so neat. I, see, y'all supposed to clap. I don't like y'all. All right. But this is Brownsburg, and where that here is dotted is right here. And so this is what I want you to start thinking about. I need to know if you're actually here for it, for the confession of Christ, for the commitment to Christ, for the cost of Christ, and for the community of Christ. I, need, I really need to know if you're here for it because it's scary when you start thinking about what you're accountable for. And when you start thinking about who you're accountable for. And what happens is sometimes people are so not vocal about being here for it that we don't think they're here for it. And then they're hurt because they thought we were supposed to be accountable for them. And we didn't show up when we were supposed to show up, but we didn't know. This is not legalistic. Nothing in the Bible says you need to sign that piece of paper. Nothing in the Bible says that. But what I'm saying to you is I want to know who I'm responsible for. Jason wants to know who he's responsible for. I want to know who I'm prioritizing my time with when I'm not at home with my wife, when I'm missing out on things from my daughter. I want to know I'm doing it for somebody who's actually here for it. Because there's, there's no place I'd rather be. I missed you for the last two weeks. I haven't been here for two weeks. And I can't imagine how people do this. Because I feel left out, I feel isolated. I'm the pastor, and just not being here among you, I feel left out. Because I'm so here for it that not being here is lonely. So this is what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to think of these three things right here. Give me these three. First and foremost, what is God saying to you right now? Not, not, not what has Rashad said to you, but what is God saying to you? Because that's the spirit. I'm, I'm just a vessel. At some point, God's saying something to you individually. What is he saying to you right now? And then number two, what are you going to do about it? Because that's the obedience. See, here's the thing. When we say I'm here for it, there's somebody here who is really feeling from God right now, who's maybe been here since the beginning, maybe been here for the last three years, who's saying, you know what, Rashad, God's saying this is not, I'm not here for it. That's great. Because then there's somewhere you are supposed to be, and we want to get you there. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to identify that so we get you where God wants you. So you ask, what is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? And then finally, how can we help you? Because whether you're here for it or whether you don't belong here or whatever, or whether you're not even a believer, my responsibility is to love everybody that's brought into my care while they're in my care, help you identify what that is, care for the ones that belong to me, and find who else you're supposed to belong to. That's what this is about. So before you sign that paper, or before you order one of these, because I'm going to order these, right? Uh, oh, December 29th. Okay. All right. Before you order one of these, 
Ask yourself, is this really why I'm here for? It? And know that there's no obligation to us. We love you regardless, but we want to know who's in and who's not so that we can function the way we're supposed to function. So please stand up with me. We're singing a song called Set on Fire. Ask that God set the fire in you right now to be here for it. podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.